You're listening to Disturbing the Priest with Brandon Baddock. Welcome to Disturbing the Priest. I'm your host, Brandon Baddock, and this is our first video podcast we're doing. And I am honored to have my friend Juan as the guest. Welcome, Juan. Happy to be here. Yeah, pretty exciting. Um, yeah, sure I am. I thought, who better to have on the pod than uh, Juan? You know what I mean? Because I want to do a whole episode on vinyl. So who better to get than like the biggest addict <laughs> I've seen when it comes to vinyl? But yeah, so what's your whole history with vinyl records? I'm pretty sure I got you into vinyl, right? Yeah, yeah. So the, the funny story with that is... Um, I remember when you first got into vinyl back in like senior year of high school or might've been junior year, somewhere around there. But I just remember how cool it was. And I was like, ah, I love music. I listen to music all the time. Maybe I should like buy a record player, something like that. And then my uncle shows up with this like little classroom record speaker that he bought at a yard sale and a bunch of records in like a, in like a hat box. And I just thought it was the coolest thing. I remember plugging it in and uh, at um at my college, and because um, I was doing work, landscaping work at the time over we there, I plugged it in and I heard. Um, I believe the first record I spun was "Dark Side of the Moon," because that was like the only one that I knew in that whole like stack. Oh wow, of, like... that's very iconic, actually. <laughs> yeah, what an interesting like... first pick of yours. Well, that was like the uh, that was like the one that I knew the most at the time. Like from that stack, it was like a lot of generic like boomer like kind of like records in that whole hat box. But all the records didn't have a sleeve; they were all beat to death. But there was Dark Side of the Moon, and I was like, you know what? Let's see how this sounds. And of course, it sounded really awful because the needle hadn't been changed on that record player in like forty years. The record was beat to death, but it still sounded better than like what I had heard on Spotify. Like the really? sound was very clear. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, even I don't know. I guess it was the whole like it might have been more like a placebo where I was like the warmth sound and maybe the excitement of getting like a forty. Actually, no, it might have been like a fifty-year-old record player just spinning again and hearing an old record. I just thought it was the coolest thing. And then it yeah. just kind of spiraled out of control from there. Now, do you think vinyl is better than digital? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I know we have uh, friends that might disagree with that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, I mean, I do, I do genuinely believe so. There's something about the warm sound that, um, that an analog process has. Uh, whether it's actually real or it's a placebo, it doesn't matter because I personally feel that like if you enjoy it <laughs> that way, then that's how it should be enjoyed as long as you're having fun. But me personally, I do think it sounds way, way, way better. But, yeah, it's a, it's a very intimate experience with like listening to music because it's straight like from the needle out of the speaker, you know, there's no uh, wave signals. There's no Bluetooth uh there's no fourth fifth sixth hand listening like you're just getting it straight from the uh the vinyl which i really like yeah it's all very it's all a very analog process especially if you're using a vintage record when it was done in all analog there was no digital mastering involved it was all yeah. analog like there's nothing than better better than listening to like 
a mono record from the 60s. And I'm not just saying that because my record player is broken, I can only play mono. I mean that, like, because back in the 1960s, most records were recorded using mono, like one microphone. It was all monophonic sound and just the way everything was positioned. But I do think that, like, the richness of the sound, especially if it was very well mastered, like, say, a Beatles record, like, the sound quality and the richness of the sound in those records, especially like the very early pressings, unbeatable. It sounds yeah. it sounds like they're right next to you. Oh yeah. Um some of the Beatles albums that are what what is that label? The very iconic Oh Parlophone. Parlophone. Yeah, Parlophone. Parlophone. Uh yeah, I do have a Parlophone revolver, which is courtesy of you, right? Yeah, that was my boss's. Um, yeah, that's a that's Beat also to death, but it sounds fantastic. Yeah, that's another thing. Sometimes these records trick you. They look like um, they were frisbeed around the backyard by a bunch of toddlers, and then you put it on the like uh, turntable, and it sounds brand new. I don't know how. I guess it's because they had like deeper grooves, so a lot of the scratches are superficial. Yeah, um, but, Parlophone uh, is a very iconic label in like the classic rock community and when it comes to metal i feel like the most iconic would be uh vertigo would you say i'd say vertigo was the one that started it all certainly because um that's where a lot of the heavier acts of the time were i mean black sabbath obviously that's the big one that's the one that started the whole damn genre for god's sake it was a uh, yeah yeah that something was the I one found that started out. it all yeah something i found out recently is vertigo yeah. was actually founded in 69 yeah yeah it was founded in 1969 it was a subsidiary of phillips records which was a dutch company um, but that was like their more progressive uh, label because at the time psychedelic rock was still all all the rage. Um, you know, after after um, Sergeant Pepper and um, what's it called? Um, Sergeant Pepper was the one that started it all. But the Doors, that was like along with Sergeant Pepper, the most commercial psychedelic rock album, and many record companies wanted to catch up. They wanted yeah. to like um get on that train yeah um, so what um i i think going back what ended to up uh, happening is a lot of these labels um just started signing all these bands that would like on the whole psychedelic that's how we got started that's how we got the stooges that's how we got mc5 that's how we got black Sabbath. that's how we got all of these bands nice and yeah. vertigo that was like the most um that was like the underground label in um the i guess in europe because phillips was a dutch company but that's where you got a lot of the heavy 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 bands at the time black sabbath being obviously the most commercially successful one and they started a whole new genre which is pretty cool yeah uh which is awesome and vertigo is classic like they had a lot of prog stuff but funny enough you know uh vertigo also pressed the black album by metallica as well um like they have a really weird impact on metal vinyls because not only did they do like sabbath they did like the most commercially successful metal album of all time the black album too which is very cool um good luck buying one though <laughs> um 
Because I don't think there. they repress them. Yeah, they're out there, but it's probably different. the best Metallica album you'll ever hear, but quality wise. Sound quality wise. Yeah, I don't know if yeah. I'd agree that it's yeah, their best, no, but <laughs> um, it's their most commercially successful. Although I don't know that uh, those Stranger Things might have changed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. I, I'll probably never be buying an original Master of Puppets now. Which I am. I got that. lucky. Yeah. I bought it Faster. right before. <laughs> oh my god! I, I actually, had a couple chances. Yeah, I've had two of them. <laughs> yeah. One I, don't. I, one of them is unplayable, though. The other one is a very. I, I got very lucky with it. Yeah, it's it's so funny because uh, our friend uh, John McWaters he had a copy of Master of Puppets, and side A was maybe thirty seconds long because of how much it skipped <laughs> it's just a disaster it's like well why even buy it at that point um but there's some iconic labels like uh i have some here metal blade obviously yeah you know what i mean megaforce um megaforce is really good that that is a great sounding label combat too megaforce um, uh megaforce is funny because some would argue that the first true metal band of all time was blue cheer with summertime blues they're like one of the heaviest bands ever and yeah. it's it's been argued that they were like the first true metal band um, i don't know if that's true i still think that sabbath was it but i can see why people argue that but where i was yeah. going with that is that um later on the 1980s blue cheer released an album uh, which the name escapes me at the time but it was re it was released on megaforce so the band that started it all just for some would later join in that iconic label that some would say was like the second most important label in all of metal history. Yeah. Which is wild. I, I'm not sure how, like my whole opinion on blue cheer has changed. Like when I first kind of got into them and discovered them, I'm like, all right, they're pretty heavy. They're pretty awesome. They're definitely metal. They're there might be the first metal band, but honestly like now thinking about it i don't know like it also blue cheer min uh summertime blues that's the song right yeah yeah it's even... a cover it's a cover it's not even their song um, no it's eddie cochran it's a rockabilly song <laughs> yeah so i don't know i i think metal also like with sabbath you get the heaviness but you also get the uh the lyrics Mm -hmm. And the whole atmosphere of the song, which I think makes it the first metal song. But I don't know. Some people are a sucker for covers and uh, just bringing the dial up to 11. And that's all it takes. Uh, oh, yeah, they, I mean, they recorded that on like a pier, right? I think they did. They were. It was so loud. They couldn't even like do it in the studio. They had to record it outside. Some crazy story. Oh, um, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's. It's a weird, weird band. I don't know why they were so obsessed with just making a loud, heavy thing. But, but Blue Cheer's cool. I like them. I have, I have. Is there is that album literally just called Summertime Blues? No, it's called Vincibus Reptum, which I don't know what it means. It's some Latin thing, but yeah, it's I, I would have guessed. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a good album. It's I have um I have a mono copy of it. I actually just got rid of my stereo copy because I needed cash, but. <laughs> 
But yeah, but the mono one sounds amazing. I'm surprised that came out in mono. I came out in '68. Mono was out the door by then, but it's still a great sounding record. It's got all the elements of like you know that late '60s psych, heavy blues rock element that would go on to become metal. Yeah, because that's what metal is. It's just a mix of like heavy blues rock and hard psych. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so going back to like just like vinyl collecting and metal, like what is what is collecting metal records like in 2022? Impossible if you're going for originals. Yeah, pretty much. You have to have very deep pockets or have insane luck. Like I've, I've, I have, I have, I will say that I've had some insane luck with some of these because not only was I given uh, a second pressing of um, Kill 'Em All by Metallica, but I was also, <laughs> but you know, I was also, I also had the opportunity to find not one but two Master of Puppets, and I was very lucky to score an original pressing of Peace Sales when it was still more or less affordable. Now you can't find those cheap. Really? What did what did you get it last year? Yeah, did I got changed it last that year. much within a year. Well, I mean, the metal has just become really expensive. I mean, I couldn't I couldn't find the um, Iron Maiden debut for what I paid for it. I paid um, and this was in 2019 in New York City. I paid like twenty five dollars for a mint first press. And when I say mint, that thing looked unplayed. So it's, I can't find that record for like under $60 nowadays. Yeah. It's wild. It's so crazy. Um, I think it's like the more popular vinyls getting, the more metal is starting to spike. Um, I'm really glad I got some of the records I did when I got them. Like I have peace cells behind me, um, first press and I'm very happy to own that. Same with merciful fate. Um, very rare albums and some that I'll probably never see in the wild again so it's it's very first come first serve there's never really a perfect time for metal vinyl i feel like it's not like it's a stock market where you gotta buy them when it's like you know the stock market's low it's like no it is always we are losing so many originals to people um so buy them uh, not see to them, support I... consumerism <laughs> <laughs> no i mean it's true i mean it, it's also a it's also like depending on luck i mean i found out seven churches while you were out of town and i had no interest on it but you probably would have snatched that the second you saw it oh yeah that's it's one of those things where like it's it's all about the timing like you said i can't believe you found a seven churches <laughs> yeah how much no, was that i think they wanted like 60 for it it was a very clean press too but, i would have bought that in a second yeah 60 for that that's amazing actually yeah, you got um, to go to uh, Wantless Records. That's where they had it. Yeah. Want- and I, I just gave it away to people. So now you got to be there, Brandon. Where is Wantless? It's in Newton. Off oh, of, there's a plug right there. there. There's a plug, free advertising. But they're, they're good people. They always give good prices. So happy yeah. to support them because they're, they're always giving us good deals and things. Something uh, something else that's cool about metal vinyl is the amount of bootlegs there are. There's a surprising amount of metal bootlegs out there. Um, I have like a million Sabbath ones, and they all sound fantastic. Uh, it's the 
heavy metal vinyl community is very passionate of come to find like there's a ton of metallica bootlegs even ghost um there's a bunch of their bootlegs out there um even like even just kind of like even revocation the band i'm repping right now i've seen revocation bootlegs floating around on vinyl so it's very cool to see that like the vinyl community and bootleggers are like really pressing live albums uh putting out more metal stuff on vinyl so i think it's really awesome and cool um one you probably don't have any metal bootlegs right uh, i'm trying to think i don't think so yeah, you I'm just not... have the like iconic classics yeah i'm very um, um i'm very when it comes to metal that's i'm very basic i'm not i i, I am in, by no means a metal head um i just <laughs> I appreciate him and I respect the artist because it takes a lot of talent to write this kind of music and their influences often line things like classical music, which is not, by no means simple. Yeah. Um, um, it's, it's very interesting that uh, some of those iconic vinyl is metal. Um, there's a lot of metal albums that are seen as like being iconic to have on vinyl master of puppets is one of them uh black sabbath you know what i mean there's so many uh very iconic metal vinyl records out there and i feel like not a ton of genres obviously classic rock and jazz and whatnot um records that have kind of come out in the era of vinyl but I think there's a lot of really cool classic metal vinyl. And, and I can even say like death metal uh, and some black metal stuff, which is really like, oh my God, uh, Dawn of the Black Hearts. Oh, iconic. Yeah. So it's, it's very interesting that like there isn't really that with uh, anything like really hip hop or rap um, or pop, I feel like. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure that somebody's suicide photo on the cover of the album would, would make a great cover for any genre. Yeah. I mean, that's as metal as it gets, but, uh, you know, yeah, but funny it enough is that, funny interesting. Enough that, yeah. Funny enough, that record, uh, first came out in my home country of Colombia, um, which is weird, which is so, so funny. I mean, the, the connection was there. I mean, yeah. From Norway to Colombia. Yeah, I mean, Mayhem, I mean, Medellin, especially, the, the the city where I come from, there was a big metal scene going on at the time. We were having our war with um, Pablo Escobar's um, drug dealers. And, you know, the fact that, like, times were desperate, people were depressed, because, you know, there was nothing but, like, bad news. I mean, the 80s was a very shitty decade for Colombia. So in Medellin, like, a punk and metal scene just began to sprang up. And there were a lot of bands over there. One of them called Parabellum actually influenced Mayhem. Classic. Yeah. Yeah, they influenced Mayhem. And so a lot of these records would find their way to Norway and they would influence the bands there. And then the records from Norway would make their way to Colombia and they would influence the bands there. So Colombia and Norway, I mean, Colombia, it's not a known story, but I do say that Colombia has a very big part to play in metal history at least when it comes to norwegian metal which is so weird mm -hmm. um what a weird connection also uh i think records were pressed in colombia once uh, cds took over completely 
Uh, where or no? Where was uh, uh, No More Tears press? Because there's like one pressing of that. Well, th- there's many. I mean, you gotta you gotta remember the U.S. They like to be trendsetters, but they like to fix things where they ain't broke. <laughs> um, vinyl was a perfectly fine format. It, sure, it's inconvenient and it's big, but it had been around for like almost a hundred years at that point, and it proven to be quite reliable. I mean, CDs and cassettes are fine too, I guess, for the convenience, but you can't really beat the sound of vinyl. Like I said, that's just my personal opinion. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, in the U.S., vinyl was kind of phased out in like 1992, I'd say. That's when they stopped mass producing it. Might have been even a little earlier than that, but you couldn't find these things on vinyl. Hell, a lot of these commercial albums weren't even pressed on vinyl on the, uh, and set in like small quantities in the U.S. In Europe and South America especially, um, they kept going up until like the... They, they kept going throughout the 90s. And then I'd say by around the early 2000s, that's when vinyl was completely phased out worldwide, except for like small private pressings and whatnot. Um, but you could get No More Tears in Colombia. You could get Nirvana's Nevermind. You could get Helmet Onsung, all of those grunge um, and metal records all throughout the 90s in many countries outside of the US for that reason. It's because they kept pressing them in small quantities. Yeah, which is uh, crazy, crazy to me. Where do you think they pressed the most records in like the 90s? Probably in Europe, Europe mm. and Japan. Yeah, they, they, fair. Because they still, um, you know, they still had a high demand and the Europeans knew the value of vinyl. So they kept it going a little more there. But unfortunately, commercial trends, um shifted into a different direction so it was no longer commercially viable until you know the 20 teens when vinyl made a comeback yeah that's why we went from having a bunch of plants to i believe there's only like six or seven plants worldwide to keep up with demand that's not really enough i actually i think it might be even less than that wow. and there's only like one plant that plant right now that makes the lacquers and the masters since the other one burned to the ground a few years ago really yeah, so there's only one plan making lacquers. So wow. wow, that's why that's why we're seeing so many delays with records. It burnt to the ground. The other, yeah, one? yeah. Jesus, when was that? Like a year or two ago, something like that. Yeah. So there's also a uh, there's also MoFi albums, which I know uh, you cream over classics. Uh. Oh, no, um, I don't. You, I don't. You don't like him? Oh, is it? Are, are we thinking that, of John? Yeah, that's John. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't I, care for Mofas. They're overpriced, and I don't yeah. even have I don't have the equipment to make them shine anyway. I mean, the old Mofas. Yeah, true. The old Mofas from like the eighties, the seventies, and eighties. They sound fantastic. I had a Neil Diamond one that I found for like five bucks, and that thing sounded incredible. But that's that was an old one when they actually were all analog. Yeah, that's now, cool. Now they're all digital and they still sound good, but I don't know. I still couldn't make them shine in my system. So yeah, they're a gimmick. They really are a gimmick for people with deep pockets. I don't really care. Do you think you're just paying for the name with MoFi? Yeah. I mean, like I said, they do sound good. I mean, I've heard them in good systems and they, they, they can sound amazing, but to me, they're just a gimmick. I mean, a lot, any record can sound good with a good system. 
unless yeah. you know it was mass there's a few exceptions to that but most big name records like the beatles the stones pink floyd led zeppelin all the things that like you know generic normal people will buy like non-collectors will buy for the most part those will very well master they'll sound good you don't need to pay 500 dollars for an for an um audiophile pressing because yeah most of the remasters are pretty good or you could just buy an original that sounds equally good yeah i was actually surprised to uh find out and see that there's actually a megadeth mofi out there uh countdown to extinction there is an official mofi that you can buy for only like 400 bucks so, <laughs> only uh... <laughs> it's probably as much as the original yeah, honestly it, it's just it's it's so stupid. I think MoFi is just like, how can we really uh, get the money of people who just like burn money on vinyl? So there we it's go. It's a gimmick. Like I said, I, I think it's a gimmick because unless you have like a five, unless you have like a $10,000 system, you're really not going to get the most out of it. Yeah. You got to have like, and you got to have a pretty acoustically designed room. You got to have a, a lot of things. So I just don't bother. I just buy original pressings because they're gonna sound as good, if not better. Like look at look look at the um, Zeppelin two um, RL. I don't think there's a copy on planet Earth that will ever sound better. Yeah. Or if there's any copy that sounds as good uh, as those, I'd love to hear like a clean copy of yeah. one of those. That'd be uh, just have it like on a good stereo. Crank yeah. that. Maybe if I get rich, I'll buy one. But um, yeah, something I, I me and McWaters when we went to the Marlboro show, and you were there too. Um, one of our friends, he's a record collector. His name's Will. Hi, Will. Have you ever watched this? Um, he found one for ten dollars from an old couple that was selling their collection at that show for ten dollars, and it was perfect. It was like a they had no copy. idea. They had, no, they had idea. no idea, but he did. He did. Wow. He knew what he found. That guy, uh, what a lucky ten dollars. That's the yeah. thing with vinyl records. I think it was too. ten dollars. It was cheap. It wasn't over thirty. It might as well. Much. Yeah, it might as well be ten. He might as well have gotten it for free. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing with vinyl records. It's like, yeah, it's an expensive hobby, but like sometimes you can score. It's it's a very like gambling lottery hobby. I feel like, right? Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, if you know what you look for, I mean, most people, I mean, I, I don't even like to think of the times where I was starting out and I missed on a bunch of things because I didn't know what I was looking for. You really got to know what, what you're looking for. Otherwise, you're going to miss a bunch of grails. Yeah. I mean, I always, you know, I prefer to go to the record stores alone because I know I'll annoy people with how long I take there. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's part of I'm why familiar. I find that's part of why I find the things I find it's because I'm willing to dig and spend the time. And that's how I've been able to find some of the things I have in my collection. That's how I was able to find that Megadeth for only like 35 bucks. Crazy. And, uh, that vaporwave album. Oh yeah. Macintosh plus. I heard that's getting a repress again. Is it actually floral shop? Yeah. It's getting a repress. So I'll be getting that. Yeah. You're going to get it actually. I might if they do another pink vinyl one, just the clear one. It doesn't look right. I, I think I you think it looks it better be bubble in pink. Gum pink. I, yeah. I I totally agree. I think bubblegum pink is like the perfect color like, for that. It's like the perfect that it's part of the aesthetic. 
Yeah. <laughs> it makes it perfect. Yeah. Oh my God. Mr. Um, Clear doesn't look right. <laughs> I, I do. I do also want to mention, uh, as we kind of wrap this up, uh, the sleep dope smoker vinyl variant that came out recently. So what, mm -hmm. so what sleep did is they pressed dope smoker, but it's not just some ordinary pressing. It's a weed pressing. They literally pressed weed leaves into the vinyl. So while you're like, when you look at the vinyl, you can literally see the weed leaves in the record, which is so amazing. Imagine listening to Dope Smoker on weed while being high on weed. <laughs> is the all, I don't, I can't, I think that might surpass like listening to Dark Side of the Moon on vinyl, like the ultimate stoner weed experience. I, I mean i can just imagine people like getting high maybe on shrooms maybe on weed whichever one people prefer i don't judge but they just pick they just look at the record and they see a weed leaf and they're like whoa <laughs> there's a plant that plant grew from a seed it like was watered it was well cared for and its destiny was not to be smoked but to forever be trapped in the amber case that is a vinyl record that is now selling for thousands. That is, that is honestly such a good way to go as a plant. <laughs> you're you're destined Forever to be mummified inside record. a spinning disc that contains music. Yeah, imagine being mummified in dope smoker. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so sick. That's what Matt Pike should do when he dies. He should take his ashes and like put them in like pressings of dope smoker. Oh so God! I think there's you know, a band I, that did that. There's a band no, that did that with no, uh, CDs. I, I think there's a company that used to do that actually, where they like they would put your ashes and press them into a vinyl record, and you could have like your voice recorded, but, like you you just saying shit, whatever. Like <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> you're and listening then, like, to me on my corpse. Yeah, you're listening to my corpse. Uh, some would say that I'm getting played once again in my life. <laughs> That's so dumb. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, press me on a record so I can get played again and again yeah. and again. Your corpse can be on Discogs. <laughs> it's yeah. like, Juan, what's your median? <laughs> Make multiple copies of me and sell them around. Yeah. Well, That's... hey, it was awesome. Listen, it was awesome having you on the podcast. I'll definitely have you on again, probably yeah, for the uh, nuclear funeral interview. But yeah, thanks for just like talking about records and whatnot. You could follow Juan on Discogs. Check out his record collection. He's also on Instagram at Juan Too Many Records. Thanks for coming on, Juan. And yeah, thanks this for having has me. Been disturbing the priest. <laughs> <laughs>